This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. On today's show, we're going to be doing a little bit different. We're going to get away from politics uh, this week and have a little bit more fun. We're going to talk and get ready for Marvel's Captain America Civil War. Uh, If you guys are regular listeners to the podcast, you know that I am an Uber nerd and AJ likes to talk about this stuff too. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with that. You can uh, let us know what you think about our show and uh, or how excited you are for the movie. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network, on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One, and you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think of today's show. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to have a little bit of fun and here we go. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a big one today. Thank you for downloading Out Front. I am Nick Sarantos, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. I am Groot. You are, in fact, Groot. You are a large uh, herbal thing. I don't know. I I got nothing. I was going to make a (laughs) weed joke, but Groot's a tree, and my nerd brain won't let me make that leap. Uh... (laughs) So here's what we're going to do today, AJ. I know you know this because we have a pre-show conversation of all 40 seconds. but We did? Yeah, we did. We, you don't remember oh. it because you black out all the time, but that's fine. We'll deal I do. With, we'll deal with that later when we go to the hospital together and you know get tested okay. to make sure that we're good to be parents together. It's fine. Will Uncle Jack be there? <laughs> with his brothers Jose and Jim? Yeah, and, uh, and my good buddy John Daniels. There we go. Um, ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we're going to take a break from politics. We've been dealing with politics a lot on this show. The national election is kind of taking over everything. And we thought it might be fun, or I thought it might be fun to kind of break away from it and do the cover the one thing that I love more than politics and sports. And that is, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash genre films, because it is May 3rd as we record this show. Tomorrow is May 4th or Star Wars Day, and then on May 5th, which is also my father's birthday, happy birthday, Dad, is the release of Marvel's Civil War, the beginning of Phase 3. Now, for those of the uninitiated, the unknowing ones, Marvel has done this in a three-step process. Phase 1 is the movies that you probably remember the most. Iron Man 1, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger, that's the World War II Captain America movie, and Marvel's The Avengers closed out Phase 1. We then went to Phase 2, Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, or Thor 2, Captain America The Winter Soldier, or Cap 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, and it closed out with Ant-Man, which came out last year July 17th and we have had no Marvel movies in almost a year or as I like to call it the time when Nick's arms started to shake like a heroin addict and now we are beginning on Thursday May 5th though the official release date in America is technically Friday the 6th Captain America Civil War Marvel Civil War Avengers Civil War any title you kind of want to work in with Civil War is now starting, and that is coming up. And I am incredibly excited, AJ. I want to see this movie so bad, and I know I have the ability to watch it online in a crappy version, and I'm not watching it yet, but I don't think people understand. You know me, AJ, how hard it is for me to not click that link. I know, and you know, like, and I'm excited for this one, too, because, like you said, there's been a year without any... Avengers anything. And so this is going to be the first one in a year, and now we get to see all the characters that we like and begin this new phase of, you know, where is this going to lead us in the Marvel Universe? Well, and and they've done such a good job of building this world that other studios are now rushing to catch up. Have you heard of the Hasbro Universe, my friend? I've heard, like, squabbling about it, but I really haven't really paid attention to that. So basically, it's going to be, the next Transformers movie is also going to include G.I. Joe. Really? Yes. And then have you heard about the... They did G.I. Joe. And they did Transformers, but now they're going to meet up, which I assume will star The Rock. And I will watch The Rock fight Transformers, because he's the only human being, I believe, who could fight a giant robot truck and survive. 
Probably. I can give you that, yeah. The Sony... I can see that. And building off of this Marvel thing, Sony is doing their connected universe. Supposedly the Ghostbusters are going to have their own universe through Sony. Then there's the... Have you heard of... My, my, here's the one that I actually am excited for besides all this. Have you heard of the... The 23 Men in Black. Have you heard of this? No. So they're going to take the two characters, Schmidt and Jenko, from 21 and 22 Jump Street and make them the Men in Black. Okay. Now, that one I'm actually excited for. That one works for me because they're a funny little series. And I kind like of, the actual Men in Black or yes. like Men in Black as in CIA? No, 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 no. They're going to be in the Men in Black universe. Where they're they're gotcha. they're like the new Agent J. Gotcha. So there's going to be all of that going on. That's the one that's being built. There's my favorite one that I've heard so far that apparently was rumored to have happened in a meeting at Universal uh, Studios, not the theme park, but the actual business Universal Studios. Was they're trying to figure out how they can do their own, so they're going to do the Universal monsters from back in the day: Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy. Uh, all together in a universe, but that's not my favorite universal universe. Do you want to know the best one, AJ, that I've heard? What's that? Apparently in a meeting, production meeting, somebody floated the idea that the Mar- that to emulate the Marvel Universe, the way to do that is to cross over the Jurassic Park universe with the Fast and the Furious franchise. No, 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 no. At which point my roommate looked at me and goes, all I can picture is Dom driving a muscle car down the back of a brontosaurus. You know, there's like appropriate, I mean, there's appropriate universes. Men in, men in Black 22 Jump Street makes sense. Well, like Men in Black 22 Jump Street, if you're a fan of those Men in Black movies, makes sense, right? Because these are the two right. best cops in the country who are now recruited by this program, right? So I, I get right. that. And the only thing I want out of that is to make sure they also include Ice Cube and his amazing character from those two movies. But... The other ones, I'm just, it's, first of all, the idea that, like, we're going to do a Ghostbusters universe. Don't you mean you're just going to make a bunch of Ghostbusters movies? Why can't that be it? Why does it have to be a shared universe? But whatever. It's just, the way they keep promoting this stuff is, is hilarious to me. And everyone wants their own little universe and their own little franchise. Warner Brothers is running away with this new Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them thing, the American version of Harry Potter, which I'm assuming is going to be incredibly bad. They're all trying to catch up to this wonderful thing that Marvel has done, and I don't think any of them have learned the most important lesson, AJ, which is you have to love where this stuff comes from to be able to do it correctly, wouldn't you think? Well, that's the thing, and, you know, you can't make a universe or mesh universes for the sake of it. You know, I mean, some of them have to make sense. Sure, you want a fan fiction-esque type of universes colliding together, but you have to make something that makes more sense, you know? I mean, I mean, you have Marvel. Um, you could probably throw in Robo, possibly. Um, you know, in the DC universe, you can probably throw in... I don't I. A whole I new can't sp- think of the name. Well, with like Flash Gordon. Well, they're doing Panther, that with Shazam. Oh. They're going to bring Shazam or Captain Marvel, which is such a weird thing. They can't call him Captain Marvel, even though his name is Captain Marvel, because Captain Marvel, the term, is technically owned by Marvel Comics, but the original okay. character, Shazam, is originally Captain Marvel, and he's in DC. It's very right. strange. But. The connected universe thing only works if you love all of these characters equally and you treat them well. And if the people running it, there's a guy who runs Marvel Studios. His name is Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige is, they basically describe him as the showrunner of the Marvel universe. Like they have directors and writers come in and do all of this stuff. But the final say goes to this guy, Kevin Feige, who got started in comics, went to film, 
worked on the first two X-Men movies, the new Spider-Man movies as like Marvel's representative, kept getting promoted, and now he runs all of Marvel Studios. Apparently, by the way, uh, little Hollywood baseball for you, there was apparently some big infighting with a guy named Ike Perlmutter, who was the owner of Marvel when Disney bought it and was still there and is still there as Marvel's CEO. But apparently there was like a whole bunch of stuff that happened behind the stage, behind the stage, behind the scenes, where Kevin Feige basically got promoted past Perlmutter. So now Feige reports to the head of Disney Studios without Perlmutter in the way trying to make any decisions. And it was like a big contentious thing. Now that he's won it, that's why you're starting to get movies like Doctor Strange. Uh, Captain Marvel is going to be coming out next year. And these are all the big things that they're trying to push to get ready for Avengers 3 or Avengers Infinity War, which is the one where Thanos will finally show up and just murk all of the United States and the world in a Marvel movie. But what I want to get into you with AJ, with this movie in particular, is the people are saying who've reviewed it that this is the best Marvel movie they've seen. This is better than Avengers 1, better than Cap 2, uh, better than Guardians of the Galaxy. They're saying that this is the best Marvel movie because it is based entirely on a philosophical difference between your two biggest stars of this universe. And that tickles me in all the right places. Do you do you feel the same way that now that we're down to an ideological difference of two characters that that's that's a more fascinating movie to me. Well, yeah, I mean I, I mean I like this series in the Avengers storyline of Captain America and Iron Man going against each other for their ideological reasoning and you know I was a huge fan of that series because, you know, I've always been Team Iron Man, you know. I mean, I, I like Captain America, but, you know, he's, because of who he is and because he's still military, whereas Tony Stark is, you know, he can do what he wants and everything, but I feel he provides the kind of leadership that, the Avengers need and not like do things what shield is saying as well as, you know, Captain America going to going back to his military roots. Have you, okay. When you say you like the series, are you talking about the movies or the comic series? The comic series. All right. Let me, uh, for those of you who, who aren't aware uh, or don't follow comics or don't have a friend like me who teaches you about comics, this is, the movie is named Captain America Civil War. It is loosely based on a comic book series from 2005, 2008, something in there, called Marvel Civil War. The premise is this. A team of young superheroes, I think they're part of the X-Men. Remember, in the comics, the X-Men are there. But let's just ignore that. A team of young right. heroes uh, goes to stop a hostage crisis at a high school. While they are there, one of the heroes loses control of their powers, and basically he has the powers of an atomic weapon, and he usually has them under control. Something happens, he loses control, and he explodes, and he kills all of the heroes and all of the kids in the school, at which point there is a push in the United States Congress and at the U.N. for superheroes to have to register their secret identities with the government or with the U.N. to be able to go forward so that they can be held accountable for mistakes or at least have some repercussions by the government for things like this that happen in that debate at this moment in the comics iron man is the leader of shield he steps forward and says i've never had to hide my identity everyone knows who i am and i think that everybody else should do the same thing because we need to be held accountable for our actions at which point captain america looks at him and says you can't do this not everybody is rich asshole and can't just defend themselves think of a guy like spider-man what happens if he were to reveal his identity to the government that information gets out his villains could find him hunt him down and punish the innocent members of his family for revenge against him you can't do this and they begin a debate which turns into a fight which turns into lines being drawn of heroes it also contains the very famous scene in the comics world of spider-man taking his mask off on national television saying my name is peter parker i was bit by a radioactive spider when i was 15 years old and i've been spider-man for almost 20 years and he reveals who he is 
and it becomes this big ideological thing. Now, it's a comic book. So for once, the I guess you'd call it in creative writing, AJ, the inciting incident of all of this happens. The heroes right. begin to fight. Captain America takes a team of guys underground of like Wolverine, Luke Cage, bunch of heroes. They go underground and they're fighting against Tony Stark's new Avengers who are going out trying to rein in all the heroes. And throughout all of this, the villains are doing what they do and trying to take advantage, whatever. Eventually, the fight ends with just Iron Man and Captain America standing in a bombed out field, punching the shit out of each other until all of a sudden, and it's my favorite use of Thor ever in a comic, they just hear Krakathoom, which is how they onomatopoeia Thor's arrival on comics, and Thor lands in the middle of the battle, and everyone there just goes, oh shit. And Thor just proceeds to stop everybody from fighting. Captain America surrenders to the government to stand trial for what he's done. And as he's being taken into the U.S. House of Representatives, an assassin named Crossbones puts him in his sights, pulls the trigger, and kills Captain America. That's the end of Civil War. That's the comic book. Now, without the X-Men there and without some other stuff that happens, the Civil War in this story is going to be a little bit different. Uh, apparently, Apparently it's driven more by Bucky uh, or the Winter Soldier from Captain America 2 and what he's doing. And that's kind of where the philosophical divide between Iron Man and Cap is going to take off. And I just, AJ, man, I love when science fiction, when fantasy does this. I love it so much when they force you to have to kind of look at an issue differently. It's very, allow my nerdness to show, very Star Trek what they're doing with this movie. Don't you like, do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, with this movie, um, civil war, I mean, it's going to be every nerding geeks dream come true. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see all of our favorite characters. There's going to be characters that we're going to see for the first time that have no backstory until, you know, you realize who these characters are. Um, so I like these big epic battles, just like, um, the X-Men Apocalypse <clears throat> was one of my favorite movies, you know, cause you have every single protagonist and antagonist that was in X-Men universe. You, you, you mean days, of, you mean days of futures past? Yes. The last one, not the new one that's coming out. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the old one. I'm talking about before the new... What I, kids came out? Oh, you're talking about X Men: The Last. Where did Gray turn to Phoenix? X Men: The Last Stand. There you go, Last Stand up, Apocalypse. The the cool thing to me about this, and I've always been this guy, is I love action sequences. Don't get me wrong, but I would actually enjoy a movie where it would literally just be Robert Downey Jr. like a 90 minute independent film, AJ, where it's just. Cap on one side of a table, Iron Man on another, and they were to just dialogue and debate each other about serious issues. And I kind of like that this movie is happening in the middle of the election season that we're getting because there is some parallels to what's going on in the real world to what's going to be happening in this movie about when you disagree with somebody at what point do those disagreements get to the point where you have to fight? Do you ever really have to fight or are they going to fight because they don't know any other way to do it? And I, and I'm just, I'm very excited for an ideological debate between two heroes who both of whom, if you run through the ideas of it are 100% correct. Captain America is 100% right. Superheroes should not be part of the government. That's if superheroes were real, part of what makes them so good is that they're independent. But as a citizen of the United States, I also don't know if I want a private police force running around doing whatever they want and meeting out justice the way that they see fit. It's an interesting debate to have. Well, so I'm in favor of kind of this, what I consider a quasi-private police by the Avengers, because, you know, they shouldn't be part of the government, and, you know, who else is going to do it? Because the government, within the Avengers universe, hasn't done their job, and that's where you have S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is a shadow government. I'm sorry, do you mean the Strategic Homeland Enforcement Intelligence Logistics Division? 
Yeah, shield. I just I just really wanted to show off that I know that off the top of my head. Yeah, shield. <laughs> that, that's how, I mean that's, I mean they do they just do stuff in my view for the sake of doing stuff you know and they're not held accountable whereas you know you have the Avengers who have some sort of ethics as a team and they can collaborate with each other and they can take on the antagonists that are harming not only society but in the terrestrial sense as well. Well, that's another reason I'm excited for this film, though, AJ, is every Marvel movie so far has been one of two kinds of villains. One is, uh, I call the Iron Man kind of villain, where they're just trying to get better tech so they can, you know, control technology and therefore do something with it to benefit themselves. Or there's Thor-type villains where we're hell-bent on destroying the Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the two villains we've dealt with so far, and even the Captain America movies, we had the Red Skull and Hydra, both of whom are dependent on destroying the world. And I like the idea that there aren't any supervillains, at least that we know of, in this movie. That it really is, the villain is circumstance and, and debate. And I like that idea. I think that that's an important thing to do with these characters, especially going forward from this point on to set up arguably what will be the end of the Marvel Universe as we know it in 2019 with Avengers 3 Part 2. I love the fact that we're at this point in my life where I can debate these things three years out. It's, it's, it makes my nipples hard. It really does. It so, gives me a reason to keep well, I mean, So we're going to see Thanos here pretty soon and everything. Yeah, I think Guardians 2. Right. And so... I'm more interested in, because I haven't seen it anywhere on any sites as of yet, of the formation of the Cabal. Oh, AJ, you made my, you made my nerd brain hard. Um, because I would love to see the Cabal, because, I mean, it's not the sexiest villain supergroup, but, you know, they have a purpose, you know, and I would love to see the Cabal be teased in this movie. Well, after, if you think about it though, after the Black Panther movie, if you exclude Professor Xavier and um, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, you have, I think, four of the six uh, members of the Illuminati as well. So you could have Infinity War actually be the Illuminati of the Black Panther, Captain America, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. And uh, you could actually put in Bruce Banner there as a genius and have the five of them debating against what to do against the Cabal where you would have, you know, Thanos and Strife and all the other villains, you know, and you could even do that in Infinity War Part 2. This sets up so many different things. But the other thing that it does, AJ, is that it frees up your heroes to once again be heroes. Because if you look at the Marvel Universe as a whole, do you know who the biggest villain has been in the Marvel Universe up till now? Shield. Nope. Tony Stark. Would you consider him a villain, though? I don't know if you call him a villain, but he's definitely responsible for everything that's happened. Well, yeah, because that's what his character is like, supposed to be up to this point. Because he's he is one of two of the linchpins of why we have Civil War. Right. So, I mean, I mean that's, but again, this is where we have the other debate about, you know, is Tony Stark a villain, or is, you know, Cap, Cap a villain? Well, I don't know um, if the question is Cap a villain, or is he just so far out of time that he can't live into, like, he doesn't understand today's world. Is I think, well, the, the, same, the same can be said about Tony Stark, you know? I mean, is he really a villain, or, you know, he has the money, and he knows he has all these resources to kind of do what he and the Avengers can do without government assistance, without S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff like that, because Tony is that smart, and you have Falcon, who's that smart, and you have Bruce Banner, who's Hulk, and he does his Hulk thing, but he can come back as Bruce Banner. So, I mean, this is where, again, it gets interesting where you have who's more of a villain. Because I don't think you have two antagonists on the same team. I think you have two protagonists who want the same thing, 
but they are not agreeing on the tactics on how to right. Go they, about bo- doing. They, they they both want to keep the earth safe, but they are disagreeing on the best way to do that. And as a Star Trek fan. That's drama. That's Picard debating with Riker as to whether or not they should violate the Prime Directive. That's, you know, you can go back throughout fictional history and kind of look at amazing things. That's uh, Holmes debating Watson as to whether or not they should kill somebody. It's, does Batman kill the Joker? I just, I love it when heroes, fictional heroes, are put in a scenario where they have to wrestle with their... What is the easy solution? What is the right solution? And what's the solution that we should do? Because the easy solution is always, we'll just kill the bad guy. Well, if you can't do that because the bad guy is one of your best friends, what do you do when you see that? And in both, like I said, the cool thing about this movie is from both perspectives, both guys are right. And that's a cool concept that you don't get in in most tentpole summer action movies. And... Unlike Batman v Superman, the other version of superheroes fighting each other that we're going to get this year, you have, because there, there are currently three, there's Daredevil Season 2, which is Daredevil versus the Punisher, there's Batman v Superman, and now there's Cap versus Iron Man, and in, in the other two, Daredevil does a really good job with it, but they have 13 hours to tell that story. Batman v Superman is a steaming pile of dog shit that I would not recommend anybody watch uh, in the theater. And then there's going to be this one where it actually makes sense. They're not forcing it on you. They're not like, oh, well, these two guys just meet and they start fighting. They've had, what is it now, seven movies to get to the point where these guys disagree with each other and have real, legit, character-driven reasons why they disagree with each other. That's a cool thing, man, that a lot of movie studios would even be afraid to try. Well, I mean, but we see that right away in the first Avengers movie, you know? Where okay. Cap and Tony Stark kind of get at each other. Yeah, take that all away. You're not the kind of guy to lie on a wire you know, and let the other guy cry over you. I just cut the wire. Always got a smart response. You're just a man in a suit. Take that away. What do you got? Billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> I, I just, so, I mean, I mean, so right away, you have to lead in onto the Civil War. But the very thing that you were just talking about in that theme of, you know, two good two good guys who are fighting over, you know, what's the best way to uh, to resolve something, what other story that has that similar theme? Yeah. It's, it's, honestly, I'm trying to think of another movie where this kind of thing happens. And does, Batman and Jason Todd. But they haven't done that in a movie yet. I mean, they've done it. No, in- but it's not in a movie, but it's that same theme of you have two people and they're on the same side. But you have Jason Todd wanting to kill a Joker, and Batman doesn't, you know? So it's that same thing. You have two people who are good, but you have one who's really upset because why can we kill a Joker? And Batman's like, we can't. That's not our job. it's, it's, It's just, it's so fun to get. And again, part of this, part of the reason I'm so excited, man, is just that it's, it's fun to live in this world that we now live in where we, you and I can sit here and debate what is essentially Marvel part 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. This is Marvel. Well, I wonder if they did that on purpose. This is technically the 13th Marvel movie. Did you know that? Is it really? Yeah, isn't that perfect timing? I, that has to be on purpose, right? Well, you're talking about Marvel movies, if not you, Marvel Altogether. No, I'm talking just the MCU, not Marvel altogether, not including the Fox and the Sony and everything else. Marvel. No, 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 I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about even the current Jessica Jones and Daredevil series. Yeah, I'm not including them as as part of the list of things that have happened because they're not movies. Okay. If you just go on movies alone, this is the 13th Marvel movie, and it's Civil War. That has to be on purpose. If it's, right. Well, that, yeah. So. Oh, the fact that it's 13, that kind of changes things to me because 13 is Jesus. Oh, man, who's going to die? Do you think, <laughs> like, seriously? Be, no one's going to die. You don't think Cap or Tony's going to die? No, why would you kill him at this stage of the game? 
Well, because, I mean, at this point, Robert Downey Jr.'s contracts uh, have run out, actually, at the end of Civil War. This is his last movie he's contractually obligated to be in. Uh, they've supposedly signed him to another deal for Avengers 3, and he's going to be in the new Spider-Man movie. But you're saying Tony Stark and Spider-Man in Civil War or Tony Stark in a Spider-Man movie? No, in the new standalone Spider-Man movie that Marvel produces but Sony releases, they announced last week that he will be in the newest Spider-Man movie called Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Which I like that I idea. Think, I don't think I've ever read that at all. It's, 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 Iron Man and Spider-Man. Well, it, during, well the, during the Civil War storyline, remember that he goes to work for Stark Industries. And well, yeah, that, and that's, that's what, I know. And then he gives them the iron spider suit. Right. So I think that that's going to be part of Homecoming. But the cool thing about Spider-Man is they're portraying him. This isn't Tobey Maguire or even Andrew Garfield where it's clearly somebody who's in their 20s. Like the kid who's playing them is 19 right now. Don't tell me. What? Right. So he's actually a high school kid. Yeah, well, remind me. Spider-Man, when he's with the Avengers, is always younger. Yes. But he's also in the current line of comics. Um, right. Yeah, but in the current line of comics, he's always kind of portrayed as being like 28, 29. And I think you're supposed to believe that all the other heroes are in their mid-30s. Um, right. Because every time I even like um, Avengers Assemble... Um, animated series on Netflix. So in that series, you have Spider-Man, who's always portrayed as a younger Spider-Man, somewhere like, you know, in his late teens, while everyone else is like in their 30s, if not 40s. Yeah, and it's it's done well. And I think that the young Spider-Man adds a perspective to the movies where he becomes, for lack of a better way to describe it, the R2-D2 C-3PO of the series, where, if you think about it, we've basically experienced the Marvel Universe from two perspectives this whole time. It's either been from Iron Man's perspective or Captain America's perspective. And now you introduce a much younger character who basically becomes your through line for the rest of the cinematic universe. Where you're like, alright, this is what it would be like to kind of just join this team. And now you're seeing this epic story through the eyes of a 19-year-old. That's a... That's a cool concept, and I'm excited to see what the addition of Spider-Man does to this whole thing. But, AJ, you and I, the political people that we are, have ignored what is arguably the most important part of Marvel's Civil War. And I want to get into this before we end the show today and really talk about it. The introduction, the true introduction of the first Marvel hero who is African-American, well, actually just african and that is the Black Panther. I am stoked to see Black Panther in a freaking Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, I've, i got to be honest. I mean, I've read bits and pieces of Black Panther in the comics and everything, so I know who his character is. Um, and I think it's an awesome character. Um, who is he being played by? Chadwick Boseman, the guy who played uh, Jackie Robinson in 42. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a great thing having Black Panther in this film. And actually, you're going to have two, maybe three Marvel characters who are black. Well, if you include Luke Cage, you've got Panther and Luke Cage plus Falcon. But, right. you know, Falcon is kind of a B-level character. Black Panther is triple-A. I mean, that dude, is a, he's a serious, legit hero in the Marvel Universe. More important, like you're saying, I've never really read Black Panther standalone comics. Uh, yeah. I don't think you have either, really. Uh, no. But I love him in the ensemble stuff. Like, when it's all the Avengers together, I've always loved Panther's character. And the fact that he's, a, he's an African king who's also a tech genius. Right. right. I mean, that's my extent of Black Panther, who I know that he's an African king... You know, and like other Marvel characters, he kind of hides his identity, or from what I've read about that, about his character. In the comics, um, he's married to Storm. 
Right, and you know, I remember you know Red Skull coming into Black Panther's world a little bit as where Captain America came into play. Um, so, so I think the character himself is a very interesting character because he is of royalty. He is this awesome, strong character. Um, I'm just more curious on how he is going to be played out because I find it interesting that you said Falcon's more B-level because even though Black Panther's kind of part of, the, part of the Illuminati, I've always seen Black Panther, and again, I, and I know it's because I haven't read much of Black Panther's comic series, that I've always seen him more as a background character because of who he is. You know, whereas Falcon... Yeah, he's kind of like the quote-unquote apprentice for, within the Avengers. But I kind of put him up there along with that team because he's an intelligent man. Um, you know, his character is not the most sexiest character like Aquaman is for the DC world. But he's very athletic and smart. And, you know, he can roll with the punches and he can do all that, which I think he's more of one of those A-list characters is just that, you know, how can you contend with Cap and Iron Man? Well, that, that's that great line, and I think it's Avengers too. I do what he does, just slower. Uh, right. We, and, and look, the, the, the big thing with why Falcon is, is a better hero than he ever was in the comics is because he's played right. by Anthony Mackie. And Anthony Mackie yeah. is, is an amazing actor and really charming. And you watch him in those movies, and you're like, like I want to be Captain America. I want to be Iron Man, but I want to be friends with Falcon. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those things, like, you don't necessarily want to be him, but you want to be friends with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right, you know, because I, 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 I see, like, more of the B-level Avengers is, like, Hawkeye and Ant-Man. At least this, at least this Ant-Man. Um, Are you excited for when he's on the arrow? When Hawkeye shoot? Like, have you seen that trailer where Hawkeye draws the arrow yeah. and, and Ant Man's standing on it? You're like, oh man, I just I can't wait for that. No, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's gonna do. I think it's gonna be a very well done movie. I think there's gonna be an appropriate amount of humor in the movie because it's very subtle. And most of the Avengers, or most of the, uh, well, yeah, most of the. Uh, Avenger-related movies have always had, like, that subtle hint of humor, which I like. It's not overtly humorous. You mean it's not Batman and Superman constantly angry and dour and taking it so right. serious? Right. It's like, you know, the first Avengers were Thor and all them to have an argument and everything, and I forgot the line. You may know the line. You but people are so petty Thor. and tiny. But, so, well, Thor said something, and then they say something about Loki, and he goes, he's a half-brother. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, he goes, uh, Loki, do not speak ill of, of, of Loki. He is my brother, right. and he is of Asgard. He's killed 25 people. He's adopted. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's that subtle humor that I love about in most of the Marvel movies. <laughs> well, it's my, my, in Avengers, my favorite, like, that's such a Joss Whedon moment. <laughs> the, uh... The whole thing where where Loki is just like, how dare you come at me? I am a god. And then Hulk just grabs him. And <laughs> so let, me ask you, let me ask you this. Yeah. And we're talking 20 years down the road now, okay? Okay. And when it comes time to, like, put into the vault of, you know, cinematic films that are are noteworthy from a cultural standpoint, okay? Okay. Do you see the Wheatons, the brothers of Wheatons, um, kind of in this hall of fame, as it were, when it comes to the body of work that they're doing today? And I'm asking this because I'm kind of seeing the old guard of the science fiction and fantasy directors and writers on the wayside, um, Steven Spielberg, I'll put in there. Um, Lucas. And, Pierce, and Lucas and all of them. And now we're seeing this new guard, if it were, with um, Wheaton, J.J. Um, Abrams, et cetera, et cetera. The Russos, Marcus and McFeely. 
Right. So, I mean, I mean, how do you see them 20 years down the road when it comes to lifetime achievement in film? I don't think Joss Whedon will ever get the respect that he deserves for his ability to interpret character. He is in genre stuff, right? So he did Buffy. And to anyone listening to this who I say Buffy and you immediately roll your eyes... I'm not saying go back and watch it because it's not for everybody. But what you need to understand about shows like Buffy and Angel and Dollhouse and let's not forget the Pie in the Sky Firefly. What? I'm just saying, you know, it's it, I love Firefly. I love Firefly. It's my favorite. It's it's one of my favorite. It's my favorite 13 episode thing I've ever watched. Uh, I just wish right. that it had more stuff to it. But his ability to take character in these things because if you think back of all the spielberg epic uh sci-fi movies close encounters of the third kind uh et uh minority report ai the stories are fantastic the effects are amazing but the characters are always kind of one-dimensional you know what i'm saying like they they have a purpose and they feed them the whedons have done what they've done that's amazing is they've taken everything that spielberg and lucas and all of them do and they're like all right we can do the spectacle but what really makes our stories work are the characters, and I think they've done a fantastic job. And to me, if you're asking, do they? Will they be? I don't know if they'll ever be lauded the way that they'll deserve. I think that if you look 20 years down the road at this Marvel universe and also some of these the New Age guys, you know, it's just their time. I think that right now is the time that this stuff is is, is really exploding. I think that there are directors who have been left out who happened to become very popular at a time period where they've missed this. I think of Kevin Smith as somebody who he's said he doesn't want to do it, but I think that if you were to give him some B-level Marvel characters, he could do some amazing things with them. And there are guys who are going to be left out. There are guys who don't want anything to do with it. I mean, tell me you don't want to see a Black Panther movie directed by Quentin Tarantino. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's stuff like that that right. would be there. But I, I, I don't know. I know that... The thing with the Whedons is they're basically done with Marvel. They did Avengers 1 and 2. Uh, I think his brother is still writing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and then right. like all those Marvel shows are all run by former Buffy and Angel people. But I think now with the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely, who are the writers, they've kind of taken over this Marvel universe. And I think that they've done a good job. They're, those are the four guys who are responsible for what I think is the best Marvel movie so far as a movie. Uh, and that's Captain America 2, the, the Winter Soldier. And I, I would argue that that's like, if you're going to go, what's the most entertaining Marvel movie that's come out? It's Guardians. What's the best Marvel movie that's come out so far? It's Captain America 2, because it deals with some real shit. You know, there's a whole thing of, do you preemptively kill people to prevent future damage? That kind of stuff. And right. I think that if you're looking 20 years down the road from this, I think that they'll still be making movies connected to this universe. I think they've reached that point where this is now like a self-sustaining thing. It will take, I think, three horrible Marvel movies to stop this in a row. And I just can't see that happening anytime soon. I think one bad... Well, I, mean, I, guess, I, I guess why I asked this question, you know, it, I guess it, it, from... You know, I love to write, and I love writers. And I feel like we're in 2016, and I think we've gotten to the point in film that we have good writers, you know. And I think some of them are not being represented well, and I also don't think that they're giving credit where credit is due, and they're not kind of beefing up, not beefing up their resume, but like beefing them up as a writer and everything. Um, I think, and that's why, you know, when it comes to science fiction and fantasy, it's always that slippery slope of, you know, what is that big break going to be for a writer, you know, um, because it's in action, it's in drama, it's in you know, true stories. No, know, I see what you're saying. It's, it, it's, it's the Oscar argument. It's every year at the Oscars we celebrate these boring piece of shit period movies that nobody really wants to watch, but you feel like you have to to be part of the sophisticated bullshit where I see what, is that what you're kind of saying? Like the whole thing of like, they just don't get the respect that they deserve for what they're accomplishing. Well, right, you know, and I'm, I'm not even factoring Oscars no, or no, I'm the not, Academy Awards. And no, stuff, but you're saying like even that. in just conversation. But yeah, Right, because, I mean, I think, 
you know, science fiction writers and fantasy writers get a bad rap. Oh, I agree with you. Look at what George R.R. Martin has. Look at what George R.R. Martin has done with Game of Thrones. He created, like, that's the thing to me. Honestly, AJ, I, this is one of those things that really bugs me about how certain movies are perceived. This movie, Marvel's Civil, I call it Avengers Civil War because they're all in it, but it's Captain America Civil War. And if you right. look at this movie and you go think of the achievement that this movie is, you have 15 characters in this movie that we all know, we all like, and we're all interested to see how they interact with each other in a conflict way. They have done this over 12 movies. It's 12 movies so far that have gotten us to this point, and Every year what you hear is, oh, well, look at this wonderful movie about, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of the actual stuff, but if I see one more movie, AJ, that gets celebrated because it deals with slavery in the South before the Civil War, and it's you know the same movie I've seen 20 times, or it's a movie about the Civil Rights Movement that I've seen 20 times, and it's just, you know, and yeah, it's different writers, different directors, but they're all the same damn thing. Guy shows up. Bad things happen, then he gets a little bit of redemption, then something really bad happens, then the moment of true redemption, movie over, Academy Award later. It's it, it, Well, it's, it's kind of like VH1's um, behind the music type of thing. Yeah, this is, you know, this, yeah. It's, it's, it's that format, it's like, oh, they formed a band, they had a high point. They found drugs. So whatever, then there's a downfall. Now they're reunited, some of them are dead. Yeah, exactly. And that, it's like, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> do, 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 do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's that same part. And I agree with you. Um, See, I which love isn't the, like, to take talk a... about that kind of history, but you can do it so many times. Right. And I'm sorry to say this to you, but, you know, there's going to be a Harriet Tubman movie. I know there's going to be a Harriet Tubman movie coming out pretty soon. Um, but I just don't understand. Just like I, I, I know I there's going to be a new Malcolm X movie coming out, more yeah. than likely. And it's like, I've seen this. I don't need this anymore. And again, it's not to say that those movies are bad. It's just to say, You're that, right. it's just to say that they've, they've, they've been done. They're, there's nothing new about these achievements, whereas you look at the Marvel movies in particular, particularly Marvel, because even Star Wars, there's this mythos that goes with Star Wars because of the long gaps in between movies that it has a different kind of explosion. Marvel has just been consistently good for 10 years. That's an achievement, and it's one of those things where you go, look, these guys have managed to create a cinematic universe from the ground up that everyone is invested in. That if there's not a, if the, if you don't like one hero, there's three more that you do, and you just kind of get into this thing where you go, why aren't these guys getting the respect that they deserve for achieving this amazing feat to take funny books? which is what they were, and convert them into a multiple billion-dollar franchise where you can count on the fact that this movie is going to make a billion dollars. Doctor Strange is probably going to make $700 million. You know, Captain Marvel, probably $700 million. Avengers 3 Part 1, probably a billion and a half dollars. Avengers 3 Part 2, the conclusion of all of this, is probably going to make $4 billion fucking dollars. And I don't care. That counts for something. The fact that everyone in the world wants to see this movie should mean something something that's an achievement you've created a pop culture event and you're right they don't get any sort of love from any critics or anything except for like the nerd fans like people like me are going you guys don't understand how amazing this is because most people go oh it's a good movie you go listen you don't get it the reason you think this is a good movie is because of the seven movies that came before it that's an amazing thing, and, and no one gets the thing. A great example is George R.R. R. Martin from Game of Thrones. He created a universe and languages and everything. In the modern world, he's written five novels. He's about to finish the six, and he's created a, a pop culture phenom phenomenon that everyone loves, and every year at the Emmys, Game of Thrones don't win shit. You know, it, 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 I, thought they, I thought they won in the beginning, they thought. They, they won for one thing, but it's like, what? it's clearly the best show on television, but it gets nothing. Again, go back to the Oscars 2014, and I think Selma won. And I'm sorry, I, I liked Selma. It was a fine movie, but you know what was a better movie that year? Guardians of the Galaxy. How that movie was not nominated for Best Picture tells me that they'll never get the respect that they deserve, ever, because that was clearly the best movie of the year. It's not even a question, and nobody gives a shit. So it's it's it is you 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 are right in bringing up that issue that they 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 don't get the respect that they deserve. Not to mention the fact that they do more 
this is where it gets really sad, but I think if you're an African-American man, and I'm speaking like this as a white boy from the suburbs, but the people I know who are African-American do not give a shit about Selma or 12 Years a Slave. What they care about is the fact that there's finally an African-American hero in these movies that they can relate to, that they can enjoy. And I, I've heard people talk about it, who you know, people of color who have spoken in, in interviews going, yeah, I like these movies, but it's hard for me to get into them because there's no one on screen that really looks like me or it gives the respect that I deserve. And now you've got, you know, the, the most powerful comic book character who's an African-American or besides John Stewart, the Green Lantern, who is going to be this big fucking thing that people are able to rally around and go and listen if you're a young black kid from the inner city. Now you have a superhero to look up to. I know that to some people that sounds stupid. But you, you're with me on this, right? Like, that that matters. Having that matters. Well, yeah, and, and it does matter. And I guess, you know, I kind of look at, you know, the underrepresented. So I kind of look at science fiction and fantasy movies for the awards, the Oscars and the Academy Awards and all that, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It took more than two decades to get Rush into the Hall of Fame, you know? And Rush, everybody loves Rush. Everybody can sing Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Working Man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Monday Warrior, but, me, me, dry. Today's Tom Sawyer, me, me, dry. And they were so artistic with the trio that they had. The Canadian they Power Trio. Albums that was just mind-blowing. They had lyrics that really made you think, even though they had a very libertarian viewpoint to it. But the point is, they didn't get the credit that credit needed to be due half the time. And it's like, you know, why did it take so long for an institution to say, hey, Rush is a great band, and this is why they're a great band? You know? Well, even so if why, you look at some of the Why best- is it going to take so many years to say, hey, the Wheaton's, are fine writers and directors. J.J. Abrams is clearly a good director and writer. So when are you going to give, you know, these nerd people their rightly due? Well, I'll even give you a better example of all of this. You know an actor who's never won an Academy Award? Do you know what actor has never won an Academy Award and he's only because he's so associated with this stuff? It blows people's mind when I say it. You know who's never won an Academy Award for anything? Buscemi? Well, no, actually, he has won an Academy Award. Uh, it is Ooh, Harrison when? for Fargo. Didn't he win for Best Supporting Actor? I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I'll I may be wrong, but you might, you might be right. But I, I, or at the I very least, he, did, he was but... nominated. Harrison Ford has never won an Oscar. What? Yeah. He had to have at no, some point. Harrison Ford has never won an Oscar. Not once. For Indiana Jones? N- not for Indiana Jones. Not for Regarding Henry. Not for... Any of those movies, not for Witness, not for any of those amazing movies that he was ever in. He's never won an not Oscar. For Star Wars? No, he's never won for anything. He's never won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Nothing. He's really? never won an Oscar. And it's because he's so associated with it. And you ask, what's it going to take for guys? I honestly believe this. I think that there's an entire generation of people in Hollywood who are over the age of 70 who are still very pop- powerful who go, well, that's, you know, for, that's for them. These are we don't celebrate movies for them. We celebrate the movies that are for us. That's what I think happens. I think once I think it's a, honestly, AJ. I think it's a lot like it's not nearly as important, but I think it's a lot like how we view gay rights in the United States. There's an entire generation of people, uh, not even necessarily our parents' generation, but the generation before that, who grew up in a world the way things were and never moved past it. And once they all die off. It'll be different. I think in the next 10 years, you'll start seeing movies like Marvel movies, Star Wars, uh, Ghostbusters, shit like that, even comedies being nominated for Best Picture of the Year because the generation that runs Hollywood right now of, you know, and when I say that, I'm talking like guys like James Garner, stuff like that, will finally make their their comeback and and be able to, to run this stuff the right way. That That's what I think is going to happen. Um, well, I mean, and that's what's really sad is that, you know, you have the nerd genre, you know, still being 
second-class citizens when it comes to film and writing because it's clearly everybody reads them and they get excited every time something comes out, but goddamn if they get the kind of recognition that they deserve. Well, no, it's the same thing. It was like, how much money did, and I hate po- poking on Selma, but it's just the easiest title for me to remember. Movie made what? $25, $30 million? Okay, that's respectable. Right. Fucking Avengers 2 made a billion dollars in three days. Like, everyone wanted to see it. Everyone wants to see that movie. Not everyone wants to see your piece of shit period drama where two lesbians fall in love in World War I Europe. Nobody cares. Yes, it was very difficult. Times were tough. You know what I'd love to see? Two lesbians fall in love in World War I Europe, and then Wonder Woman shows up to defend their right to be in love. Like, that's a movie. I like that movie. Yeah, I'd watch that movie. Not that one. The other the, the movie you're talking about. I like that movie. You liked Carol? I did. I hate you. I did like Carol. It was a very good movie. Okay. I saw that in Danish Girl, actually. Okay. Side by side. What a depressing night. Oh, it was awesome. For me. For you. For yeah. you. And I would love to see Eddie Redman in a Marvel movie, by the way. Yeah, there's rumors that he's being... Everyone oh, Eddie ever- Redman as Riddler. That would be awesome. By the way, did you hear that Nathan Fillion makes a cameo in Civil War? No, but I know what, Firefly is getting a movie? No, not a movie. What was it? I heard something. No, well, you, well, I, you heard, about, I didn't know about the, the No, uh, no it, was an, it was an April Fool's joke. There was an April Fool's joke this year that Firefly was coming back to Netflix. It was an April Fool's joke. Well, I didn't hear that part. But. Okay. But other than that, all right, AJ, we're, we are two days out from Marvel's uh, Captain America Civil War. Before we end the show, I just want, what do you, what do you think is going to be, how, how do I put this right? Are you more excited, let's go with this question, are you more excited to see Spider-Man in the MCU or Black Panther? Spider-Man. Okay. I'm right there with you, but that's only because the first comic book I ever bought with my own money, by which I mean money for my allowance, was Spider-Man, I think it was like number 600 and something, it was in the middle of the Clone Saga, uh, and I could not follow the story. It just started in like the middle of a run. It was before anybody. Had, it was before anybody had taught me how you read comics, because there is you have to know like how to read comics. Like, you have to pick Did up. Did you even ask someone about that? Nope. I walked in. I was at a Walgreens and I saw a really cool cover where Spider. It was Spider Man fighting Spider Man, and I was like, I have to get this, and I got it, and I read it, and I had no idea what was going on. It sat on my shelf in my house for fifteen years, and I never. Like, read that whole thing. I finally, this year at Comic-Con, got the entire Clone Saga in a big omnibus that I'm going to start reading. But other than that, like, that that was... Spider-Man was my first superhero I ever paid money for. Batman was number two. And then the X-Men cartoon came on, and everything was Wolverine. If it didn't have Wolverine, I didn't care. Is it still in decent condition? The, the spy, no, no. I, that None of my comics are ever really in good condition, although I did just recently put them all in my grandfather's trunk that he brought from Greece in the 1960s. Well, say if they were still in decent condition, you should get them certified. Nah, I don't, I don't care about that. I'm not a collector. Never have been. I like to read them and then share them with people. So, all right, AJ. Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Ant-Man, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, Falcon. And, did I say Ant-Man already? I think I did. I'm trying to think of who else am I missing here. Agent 13. And I'm counting on the return of Agent Phil Coulson in this movie. You think so? I think he'll finally come from the TV show back to the movies for this movie. I think that this is where it makes the most sense because he can be the one that stops the fighting because he's the one that started the Avengers. That's true. So I don't know. But we'll see. Other than that, AJ, anything else you want to get to hit on before we get out of here? We're, it's Tuesday, so today is today Indiana? Today's Indiana. All right. Well, after today, Donald Trump will most likely be the nominee for the Republican Party. Hillary Clinton is the Democratic nominee for the Republican Party. So starting next week, AJ, we should probably start our actual presidential election coverage and start focusing on some of the local stuff here. But we wanted to take this week, ladies and gentlemen, and just have some fun and get ready for the summer's big event. We'll be doing this for some of the other big movies. We are going to go X-Men crazy, by the way, the week that Apocalypse comes out. AJ doesn't know that yet, but you are talking 
talking right now to a man who is wearing a Star Trek The Next Generation uniform hoodie and an X-Men Winter's cap because I'm an X-Men fanatic and my favorite comic book of all time is Star Trek The Next Generation meets the X-Men. So when Apocalypse comes out, we are going to have some X-Men heavy shit going down up in here. Are you ready for that, AJ? I'm ready. Uh, hopefully you'll be ready. Oh, I'll be ready. I'm already debating it right now. We can debate timelines and crossovers and whether or not Deadpool should appear in Apocalypse, which he should. Other than No. That, what do you mean, no? No, he shouldn't. You want Deadpool just left to himself to be R-rated and funny? No, I think I, I want him that in Apocalypse. I think there's a, an appropriate other time to bring him in, but not Apocalypse. All right, well, it's also going to be Wolverine's second-to-last movie, and then there'll be Wolverine 3 next year. So this is going to be Hugh Jackman's last, last X-Men movie. So we have that right. going for us. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Chi-Town Podcast one You can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. AJ, say goodbye to the wonderful people. I am Root. He did it the same way he came into this world, ladies and gentlemen, by saying the three words that turned me on the most. Thank you so much for listening. We out! Six miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.